Hello and welcome to Truth Legal's third podcast. I have with me again a barrister, Kevin McNerney, who was on our previous uh, second podcast in which we talked about the differences between solicitors and barristers. So Kevin, uh, we're obviously recording this one a few, only a few minutes afterwards. Just tell us all again about what you do, please. Uh, yeah, I'm a barrister at St. John's Buildings Chambers, um, where barristers work are called chambers. We're all self-employed. There's about 250 of us across several sites, Manchester and Sheffield, my, my primary sites. Uh, but I live in Harrogate here in Harrogate for 17 years, uh, married to Sandra and got two daughters, 20 and 16, uh, Evangeline and Grace. I think on the previous podcast it may have been 20 and 50, but we'll just brush over that very quickly. <laughs> Don't and, tell Grace. Uh, we won't. Um, she won't hear this, I'm sure. So, spare time, Kevin. You must be busy, uh, young family, working as a barrister. You know, what else do you do with yourself? Yeah, try and keep fit. I'm a big cyclist here in uh, North Yorkshire. You can't be anything else. And very recently, after a 25 year gap, taken up squash again. Are you any good? Nah. No, I'm okay. I enjoy it and uh, started to take lessons, so I'm improving. Uh, big thing with me is always, n- not necessarily the skill level, but just always try and improve whatever I try to do. Sure, well, good luck with that. So tell us a little bit about your work history. You've been, I understand, uh, sort of working within legal sphere for many years. Yeah, um, last nearly 10 years now, I've been a barrister in private practice in, in chambers, as they say, in Manchester and Sheffield. But before that, for nearly 14 years. I was with the Royal College of Nursing as their in-house barrister and achieved the rank of senior legal officer for the north of England, based in Leeds. So I dealt with nurses' employment disputes in the NHS and also in the private sector. Um, Really enjoyed that job, worked with a great team of people. But before I got too old, I fancied going into private practice and seeing how that was compared to in-house. And tell us all, you know, why do you do what you do? You know, do you love it? Is it a morality thing? Is it intellectual stimulation? Why it's, do you do it? It's definitely not morality. I love it um, because I like the idea of trying to persuade people and I think uh, trying to master the art, because it's always a work in progress, but trying to master the art of persuasion, I think, is uh, an interesting way to spend your life. And that can be either in writing, which is a large part of my job, um, putting claims together and sometimes putting witness statements together and also in the courtroom itself, oral advocacy. That's, that's the main reason I enjoy my job so much. Sure. Well, let's get on to the meat of this podcast in which I want to know, from your point of view, all about the employment tribunal process from start to finish, because I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast are quite nervous about engaging an employment claim and in particularly nervous about any sort of trial. I imagine as well a lot of people won't even know what to call a judge. So let's start from the beginning. If you are someone, uh, an employee, perhaps worker, whatever, who's got an employment claim, how do they get the process going? Well, the, the very first step is to try and lodge a grievance at work. If you've not been dismissed and you're unhappy with something at work, the very first thing you need to do is to lodge a grievance, just a short letter, putting in writing what you find unacceptable in work and try and resolve it there in that workplace. But if that's not possible and you think you need the law to help you with what you're unhappy about, 
then you should really think about talking to a, an employment lawyer, uh, either a barrister on a direct access basis or a solicitor who specialises, who knows employment law. There's no real point in just going to a high street solicitor who may or may not have experience in employment law. Look them up, see if they've got experience in employment law and speak to them and try and get a free interview because lawyers will take money off you as fast as look at you. So try and get a free interview just to talk about the headlines of what you've got as a problem at work and take it from there really. They may advise you that you do have a claim and they, they should take up the issue on your behalf. If you don't want to involve a lawyer uh, and you're still aggrieved at what's happened at work, then pick up the phone to ACAS and get some advice from them. How do you spell ACAS? Uh, ACAS is uh, an acronym, A-C-A-S, and it stands for Advice, Conciliation and Arbitration Service. So they act as potentially uh, an honest advisor to both sides, both employers and employees, workers, whatever category of worker you, you happen to be. So they will have a helpline, a telephone helpline. They've also got a fantastic website, absolutely superb. I use it a lot myself as a practicing lawyer. So have a look on the website, and if you don't get the answer there, speak to them on their helpline and take it from there, really. But if you do have a claim, then you have to engage with ACAS in what's called uh, early conciliation. And conciliation is just a posh word for trying to get both sides to agree to settle matters and shake hands on a deal. Um, and the law requires you, you to, to go through that early conciliation process. You do not have a right to put a claim in to a tribunal unless you've gone through that for the vast majority of cases. And just tell everybody what the sort of time limit is generally uh, for um, commencing well, early conciliation by ACAS. Well, it, it can depend on what sort of claim you've got. So if you've been unfairly dismissed, it's within three months of the, of the act of dismissal that you must put a claim in. But you've got to do conciliation even before you claim. I can't stress that enough. You only get the opportunity to put a claim into an employment tribunal once you've gone through early conciliation. So it's, it's a way that the government have said, look, we want disputes resolved without recourse to an employment tribunal claim. So we're going to put this step or if you like a hurdle in front of an individual that they must get over before they can then put a claim in. So rule of thumb, you have to get a claim into a tribunal within three months of whatever's happened, but you can get time extended if you've gone through early conciliation. So the bottom line is, look at time limits, but the most crucial time limit is generally within three months of either dismissal or the act of discrimination, because a lot of claims are about discrimination. So try and pinpoint the date and work on the basis that you've only got three months to get a claim in, uh, which is very short, very, sure. very short. Yeah, it's horribly short, totally great. And if the matter settles via ACAS super duper, but then, um, tell us all, Kevin, what happens if the matter doesn't settle by ACAS? What happens next? Well, you have to put a claim in and you can either do that yourself or you instruct lawyers. You task lawyers withdrawing your claim up in a format that's familiar with the, 
the tribunal. And again, that can be done online. In fact, it is mostly done online these days. So again, you can do that yourself online. This is the ET1 form. The ET1 form, yeah, the, the claim from an individual. And then the other side is the employer will have to put their defense in the ET3. So again, all of that process can be done online. Sure. So claimants submitted, the ET1 is submitted by the claimant. Yep. The, the respondent, so usually the company, the employer, submits their ET3. Um, what's the next stage and when do the judges get involved in all this? Uh, the, the next stage is both sides will start preparing their case for court. The ET, the Employment Tribunal judge, will generally have a telephone hearing to discuss the case management of the, the case. So that's things like when will witness statements be exchanged, when will people exchange the documents that each side are going to rely upon at the forthcoming hearing. So the first hearing is often by telephone, what we call a case management discussion, which will set dates for various actions to take place. And once all that preparation has been done, the tribunal will then set a date for the hearing of the case itself. And the hearing can be several days or just one day, depending on the complexity of the case and the issues in the case. And I'm actually thinking that, and I sort of know the answer, but uh, this, a case can settle at any point up to the sort of tribunal's door. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, it can. It can even settle on, on the, the morning of the first day or even during the course of the number of days that have been set down for the case. One side might think, this is all going badly. Let's settle on the third, fourth or fifth day of a 10-day hearing, for example. So, yeah, it can settle at any point. And... For those new to employment tribunals, perhaps a little bit trepidatious, uh, how do they call the judge? What do they say to the judge? How uh, do they refer to him? If it's, a, if it's a male judge, it's sir. And if it's a female judge, it's mom or ma'am, as in spam. And is there just one judge or are there other people involved in the it, process? It depends on the case. Most cases will be heard by a judge sitting alone. So an ordinary unfair dismissal will be a judge sitting alone. Cases to do with whistleblowing or discrimination are generally heard by a panel of three. One is an employment judge, a lawyer, solicitor or barrister, and then two other people, one from industry, employer, organisations, and then one from the trade union side of the workplace. So that makes up three, hence the word tribunal. And what should people wear when attending an employment tribunal? Um, th- there are no rules whatsoever, but you know, th- the way of the world is the smarter you are, it-, it can just pick up on a bit more respect. So I'd advise as smart as you are happy with, really. But there are no rules, so if you want to, you can turn up in a T-shirt. But my, my real-world advice would be try and dress as smart as you are comfortable with. And are there lawyers wearing uh, wigs and... No, everyone, everyone sits down. It's relatively informal. It's still a court of law, so th- there is a certain amount of decorum about it all. Um, often the degree of officialdom or formality, the, the degree of formality will depend on the particular judge, um, but even the most formal of judges, the court or the tribunal, everyone will sit down everyone is generally polite towards each other and it's a million miles away from Crown Court or any of the TV depictions of courtroom dramas. It's all very straightforward, people telling their story, 
people being questioned uh, and everyone being polite to each other. And can members of the public sit in these tribunals? Uh, yeah, most hearings are held in public. Occasionally they're held in private, but that's extremely rare. And um, like most courts, the default position is in full public glare, because that's right in a democracy. Courts shouldn't be anything but open to the public 99 times out of 100. And what would you advise people who are going through the employment tribunal process and perhaps have a hearing coming up? How should they prepare themselves, whether they're on the claimant side, the individual, or whether they're on the employer side? Well, first thing is try and get yourself an employment lawyer. Um, they can be expensive. And most importantly, try and see if you have household insurance with a legal expenses insurance add-on, which will pay for it. Secondly, if you're in a union, they should be paying for your lawyers if they think you've got a case and see if there are any other funding streams. If you're not very well off and want a lawyer, try a Citizens Advice Bureau or a local law centre or the offices of barristers and solicitors will often be able to direct you to someone who can do your case on what's called a pro bono basis, which means a fancy way of saying for free. So the bar, the, the barristers profession, for example, have a bar pro bono unit in London, which can sometimes, they have limited resources, obviously, but they can sometimes arrange for a barrister to do uh, a case for free. And that might also apply to the solicitor's side of the profession, but I'm not so sure about that. And at the end of the trial, does a... Do the parties get an answer, a judgment there and then, or do they have to wait for it? It depends. Uh, it depends on how long the case has been. Most of the time, a judge will say, come back after a few hours after the case is finished, and we'll give judgment orally. Um, but often, uh, the judge will say at the end of the hearing, thanks, and we'll let you know in writing in what's called a reserved judgment, which will be several weeks after the case is finished that you'll get to know whether you've won or lost. And once you've got the outcome from the judge, whether either reserve judgment or on the day, can people appeal the decisions from the judges? They can. From an employment tribunal, the route of appeal is to the employment appeal tribunal. However, the grounds for appeal are very, very narrow. It's only really what we call a question of law. So it's only if the judge has misunderstood or misapplied the law that governs the situation. You cannot appeal decisions as to what the facts were in your case. That's what we call a question of fact, which is generally unappealable. Sure. And also, understand you can review a decision as well. Would that be correct? Yeah, that's where you lose and you ask the employment tribunal or the employment tribunal judge, if they were sitting alone, to review their decision in the light of, for example, new evidence that wasn't available at the time but a review is quite you're lucky to win a review to be blunt yes um, i can imagine so and on the day so if anyone's going to a hearing perhaps tomorrow what should they do the day before they attend the final hearing uh, firstly reread your witness statement which hopefully is in writing and written form uh, and secondly think about what's absolutely crucial for me winning the case what do I have to prove to win my case? And make sure you've got all the questions you need to get that answer out 
in the hearing itself. I couldn't agree more. Um, Kevin, I have exhausted all my questions. You've answered them brilliantly as I knew that you would. I'm very grateful for your time. And if anyone wants to get in uh, touch with Kevin, they can find him on his Chambers website, which is www.stjohnsbuildings.co.uk. Thank you very much, Kevin. Great. Thanks for the invite, Andrew. Pleasure.